When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Holding pocket. It's time now for the chipping forecast, issued by Folding Pocket on behalf of Andrew Cotter, Eddie Pepperell, and special guest Ian Carter. there again what's happening here what on earth is happening here this wasn't scheduled or expected a shorter chipping forecast i say we because uh, by we i mean me andrew cotter and he guest ian carter halloween i'm only a guest now am i not special, a special guest. well special very very special guest ian carter no eddie pepper though he's out in the course he's actually We're out on the course but we just felt that this being such a, a huge week, I've had the chance to talk to quite quite a few of the players who are going to be playing in the Ryder Cup. There's so much momentum towards Solheim and, and Ryder Cup. We just thought we need a little chipolata, a chiplet of uh, a forecast. Okay, chipolata. So it's not a full one, is it? Neddy's not here. He's toiling away out on the West he Coast. He is toiling. We were actually thinking of doing this after he'd played. But in all honesty, we've looked at his score mm. and we don't think he'll be in the right frame of mind, shall we say. He'll need to be thinking more as a professional golfer than as a, a professional pundit. Well, I've, al- I've always wondered about us having the regular uh, visits from Eddie. He's, he's never missed a pod. And I, I thought when we started this, you know, he, golfers can be excused for saying, no, I want to focus on my golf. But I think Eddie quite likes... Well, he loves the chipping forecast. I think he quite likes chatting because it's a way of just release. He's a bit of a thinker. He likes to, to chat. I, I think if we really pushed him today and said, come on, Eddie, come on, he would do it, but I don't want to. Do you think him. we ruined him on Wednesday by doing it so close to sort of tee off in what is a massive championship? I have been wandering around with a slight guilt, guilt complex mm. about this. No, I, I do think, I think what ruined him more was playing six hours with Anton de Beck. Uh, that, he did say during, because I was announcing him in the first tee when he got round, he'd played, by that stage he'd played 11 holes. And sort of, he looked a little bit beaten, he said, I'm just heading it everywhere. But I think he, sometimes, do you think he'll listen to this? No. Nah. I think sometimes he, he, and listen, I'm the last person to be a golf psychologist, but I think sometimes he, would think himself into a bad gate because he was saying, oh, don't like Wentworth, don't like the trees, don't like... So we need a... Not saying a Bob Rotella, but perhaps you and I can be his... <laughs> his. <laughs> I was going to say, you are 100% correct in saying that you are the no, last I... person who should be a golf psychologist. Okay, so I have a terribly negative psychology from my own game, but perhaps I can... Heal others. Do you think we could maybe? <laughs> no. Anyway, but you're right. It's an interesting sideline. It's a it's a very good week for catching up. As you said, you've been chatting to to players. It's a good it's a good week for connecting with players, caddies, managers. They're all here. We're standing right beside the range just now, trying not to put off Nicholas Colesart, who's a lovely man. Um, so they're getting ready for their second rounds. Eddie's out on the course at the moment, toiling away as we said. But we've got a few things that we want to uh, get off our chest and discuss as well. I've had a rethink about my combinations for foursomes of four balls. I feel I should apologise and Ludwig Olberg is definitely going to be in the foursomes, I've decided. Oh, on that, let's start yes. on that because definitively, we are, uh, and we've been getting a little bit of, or I've been getting something uh, about, because I've really been the pedant about it, and I've been banging on about it, and so I do want to bring an end to things on the Ludwig Olberg pronunciation. We are we're not, not dwelling on this. We're not dwelling on it. This is it definitively. Here, listen, I got a tweet from Eddie Mailer. Eddie Mailer says, be careful, please, on the hashtag chipping forecast. Oh, we got a hashtag. That's mm. nice. Uh, be careful, please. Sounds quite threatening from Eddie. Be careful, please. I know people, says Eddie Mailer. You spent a lot of time on how to say Ludwig's name last week. Well, you spelled Ludwig wrongly. Um, yes, we did. <laughs> I didn't need it again this week, he says. Um... I think he's probably right. I think he's right. No, up to a point he is. Instead, you could have told me something about the winner of the Irish Open 
Vincent Norman, two R's, or given a prediction for hashtag Wentworth. He's all in on the hashtags, at Mr. Andrew Cotter. So Eddie has a point, but I, I've been joking about it and labouring it, and it is tedious, but we have a definitive answer, and it fascinates me. He's one of the players you've been talking to. Yeah, and we'll get the full details on that in the course of this interview, and then that will be it, because we have definitively said exactly what his name is and how it should yeah. be pronounced. And I just sort of was just stuttering a little bit there as Sepp Stracker just wandered, hey, wandered by and just gave us a little look. Just go. Um, God <laughs> bless anyway, Georgia. Let, let's get into, because we're, we're going to hear from Bob McIntyre in a bit. I really enjoyed chatting to him this week. I also really in, enjoyed chatting to Ludwig. Um, I think, my goodness, if he is going to, if he plays golf half as well as people are anticipating him to. He is going to be a superstar who transcends the sport. Mm. I mean, he's got everything. He's, he's got the looks. Well, he's got, yeah. You can hear it in his personality. To have a listen, this, is, this was my chat with him just ahead of the BMW PGA this week. Ludwig, sometimes it would be a horrible way of asking a question when you say to someone, how can you sleep at night? But what I mean is, how can you sleep at night at the moment with all that's going on in your life? Yeah, um, you know, I'm a pretty good sleeper, so I don't think that's going to be a problem. But just like you said, it's been quite overwhelming the last couple of weeks and the last couple of months. It's been uh, quite a bit of change going from, from college to this, but it's also something that I'm, I'm enjoying and something that I've been wanting to do for such a long time. And um, I'm trying to embrace it, try to have fun with it, and then at the end of the day, just enjoy the golf. Are you kind of pinching yourself? Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're sitting in a team room in Rome at the start of this week with Rory and John Rahm and all of the guys just in rows, just give me an idea of what that felt like. Yeah, I mean, for me to, to be in those environments has been really cool. Um, you know, first of all, I've, I've watched those guys for such a long time on TV and interviews and whatnot. So for me to kind of create a relationship with them has been has been very cool. Um, so in that you know, case I've had to pinch myself in the arm and, you know, um, with all the success that they've had and, and will have in the future too. So it's been really cool. Um, but, uh, you know, we have a goal to do and, and that's to, to get as many points for Europe as we can. What did you think of the course? How did you feel it sort of suited your game? Everyone talks about your your driving prowess, both in terms of length and accuracy, and that could be key. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, the rough is up, so it's going to be quite um, difficult hitting from the rough. Um, so being in the fairway is going to be key. Um, you know, I, I like to view myself as a good driver, and, and I think that's going to be important for, for that week. So as well as this week, to be fair, at Wentworth, where the, where the rough is up too. So, um, you know, it'll be important, but uh, we have a lot of good drivers on the, on the team and a lot of good players too. And you're going to get a, a, a feel for, for team golf and Europe against America the week before the Ryder Cup. You're actually going to go out to the Solheim Cup. Yeah, yeah, I am. Uh, so my caddy, Jack, his fiance Madeline Sackstrom, is playing. So, um, and then, you know, we're going to be down there playing and practicing. So it made a lot of sense for us to go there for a few days. Um, and really looking forward to it. And, and uh, I'll, be their, uh, I'll be their biggest fan. And I just want to finish off with the, the, the massive sense of angst that we as commentators have got, not because you're in the team for your golfing prowess, but just in terms of pronouncing your name. Um, just, just give us a guide, please. So in Swedish, my last name, or my, my full name is Ludwig Elbey. Um, so there's all bad no g on the end yeah the g is kind of silent right. um and, and there is a little circle above the a which makes it a o. Mm -hmm. um but i'm also from the south in sweden which makes it a little bit different from these stockholm people but um but yeah it's so how does that how does it differ between the south of sweden and Stockholm? this is really important stuff for our podcast um i guess in stockholm they would say obey Right. So that's a little bit different. I'm more from the south, a little bit more in the countryside. So, yeah, it's difficult. So when, so when we're commentating on BBC television and BBC radio, what do we call you? Elbow. Elbow. Yes. Definitively. Perfect. Yes. And is that what you will be expecting the starter on the tee to be calling you? That'd be great, yeah. So I love that. There he is. So there it is. And I, because I was fascinated, when you played that interview to me, I was going, that's brilliant. Because I was wondering why all the Swedes were saying, oh, it's Ludwig Oberi, uh, with that Stock sort of sound. And it, I was, Stockholm syndrome. And it's Stock <laughs> Stockholm syndrome. You are captive in this podcast and you've come to love us as your, your um, 
So that's it. We're just going to yeah. call him Ludwig Orbert. Orbert. And we're off and running. And it's so simple. There we are. It's done. But what you were saying before the interview about him potentially being a superstar, and a couple of people have said, just, you know, be careful because you don't know. Nick but Bradley, if, the coach, got in touch that's with right, me. He did, said yeah. to don't call him a generational talent yet. And, you know, Nick's right. You, 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 you know, but that, this is the way of the world, and people do get hyped. And I do think that given what he's done so far then the hype is justified. That's professional sport. That's why That's why he's already got the deals. That's why his bank balance is already spiraling. I would love to be his manager now, though, just Upwards. starting out in terms of the... Just yeah. saying, right, OK, because the, 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 the companies will be calling and calling, and that's why the Ryder Cup is enormous for that sort of thing yeah. as well. And Anyway, we'll see how he progresses. And just to we say, we're going to reminisce as well about 1991 a little bit later in, yeah. in the pod, because we did sort of flag this up in the sort of build-up to the Ryder Cup, so just a few memories from Kiowa Island we'll have for you yeah. a bit later on. But I love that. Definitive. Ludwig Ober, and it's done. We're moving on. Now, we heard from Shane Lowry last time out. This time, as promised, we're going to uh, let you hear a bit from another European Ryder Cupper, a man making his debut, the first Scot to play since Stevie Gallagher in yeah. 2014. So, lefty, Bob McIntyre, and uh, Ian, you had, a, you had a chance to chat to him. And again, this was a conversation that just left me you know, just drooling at the prospect of the Ryder Cup, because as you're going to hear now... You can just hear how much it means. We began our conversation discussing his feelings when finally, finally, after the European uh, Masters at Cronsorcière up in the Swiss Alps, finally he had got his place official on the European team. To finally get to where I've got to, is, it's a massive reward for the hard work and the sacrifices I've done, but now it's... Now it's getting real. It's about it's about winning the Ryder Cup. I know you've spoken about this before, but just give us an idea of the emotions that went through you when you knew that you were leaving the Swiss mountains and you were going to be a Ryder Cup player. Um, well, when I first left the mountain, I was I was relieved to get off the mountain. Um, I never played good up there, so I was like, get me home. Um, and then I, I was watching the scores watching some football on my iPad, I was watching the scores on my phone, every shot I was watching of the boys um, Adrian and, and Yannick, I was watching every shot and I'm, Stodds was phoning me um, <laughs> saying, right, I think that's you, that's you I'm like, don't phone me again until I'm in, <laughs> and that was it, I mean once I got in, once I once it was, it was official, it was secured, and it was like it was a weight off the shoulders, I mean at the stress I was going through in, in Cron. Um, because I wasn't playing great, because I don't play great up there, it was like, and a different pressure. I was, I was, I wasn't in control. I was out of control. You think of that up and down on on the Friday to make sure you were there for the weekend. I mean, yeah. that you know, that was massive. It was. I had to keep fighting. I mean, I, I managed to birdie obviously sixteen, a bogey seventeen, stupid bogey on seventeen, and then eighteen. I'm like, I thought I had a great tee shot. Um, ran into that bunker the wrong bunker to go in I'm thinking how do I get this down in down in three from here and I was just trying to hit it almost into the stand um, and then trying and get up and down and that's that's what I that's what I done and I had it had it bounced off the stand and tried to get up and down and thankfully I, I got up and down and and subsequent to that you've now been to Rome as a Ryder Cup player you know as part was that I asked asked this of Shane Lowry as well was was that the moment that Team Europe 2023 was born yeah it was everyone got to know each other on a different almost a different level um, and yeah it's, it's just it's, you dream of it as a kid to get in that team to be playing for, for Europe and I mean I got in that team room for dinner or whatever it was and you're sitting, sitting there, getting, getting, chatting to Rory, John, and Justin. Just guys that have been and done it at the top level, have won majors, have world number ones, and you know you're just sitting there like this is, this is the level I'm playing at for the Ryder Cup, and I'm their teammate. I'm they're going to be fighting as much as I'm going to be fighting for, for the same cause. What's that like to do that for the for the first time? Is it intimidating? Is it daunting? Is it inspiring? I don't know what it is. It's different, you know. I'm I'm from just a 
a regular family in Oban and I've been been lucky to, to get to the level I've got to and well, a lot of hard work and sacrifice but to be sitting there you, you dream of it you know you, you dream as a kid as someone growing up you dream of playing in these things but do you really believe that you're going to get there? Probably not there's only a select few that get there and once I once I knew I got I'd achieved it and I got there in Rome I'm like you've done it you've got to here but now there's one more step and that's that's to win and that's the only thing it's the only thing that matters is, is winning the Ryder Cup you're going to tell me that the team spirit is brilliant because no one has ever told me that a team spirit isn't brilliant but how brilliant was it? it was good I mean it was I mean I play team sports still play team sports and I mean I just love that's, that's the reason I love I love playing shinty is because of team the team aspect and um, no it's good in the team room it was it was good to get to know each individual player on a different level than I'm seeing them competing on a golf course and, and you went out onto the golf course the one bit of intel that's come back is just how brutal the rough is you know that golf course you've won on that golf course which again must be a, a massive thing for you it is it's, it's changed a lot in the last I don't know six months since we played the Italian Open there it has changed massively just because of the rough there's certain shots you can't hit now um, but it's the same for everyone and I mean straightest team is going to be the happiest team I think come the end of the week and hopefully I'm hitting it hitting it straight and, and good and the rest of the European boys are the same and we can we can get out of there What's the biggest thing you're looking forward to when you get to Rome properly in match week? Winning the Ryder Cup that's you don't want to be on a losing side um, I can't wait to the first tee shot or the first tee shot that I hit in a match the crowd I've watched it as a kid. I mean I've watched so many Ryder Cups as a kid and you see the first team and you see the first team in Paris I went there on Monday and you've I've walked out there and there was an opera singer singing and I've turned around and looked up at the stands kind of looked around me to see what what was what and I'm like this is going to be rammed this is going to be bouncing and yeah it's just it's going to be brilliant I sense I sense a real and bring it on yeah it's, that's that's the only way you can take it if you you can go and hide but at the end of the day if you get called up and asked to play in a certain position in football shinty in that team then you can't shy away from it you've got to step forward and and give it the best you got and I just can't wait I mean it's it's a dream come true but it's not getting to the team's one part and we've spoken about this with Stodds everyone on my team it's getting to Ryder Cup was a great goal but we, we don't finish there It's there's so much more to go and um, the next goal obviously this week and next week is try and win golf tournaments but after that it's the only goals win the Ryder Cup so, and that was going to be my final question. Obviously, a massive week this week yeah. uh, at, at, at Wentworth. Are you playing next week as well? Yeah. Or, yeah? Yeah, so, yeah. you're you're real momentum into it. Yeah, I'm trying to. I've, I've looked and seen when I play my best golf, and it's normally a run into run of events, and kind of was perfect. I took last week off. I wanted to play the K Club, I wanted to play Irish Open, but it just didn't. With everything going on, it just didn't fit. I couldn't do it, and these two weeks that's why I wasn't going to play France I was probably going to take France off and it was just like no let's go and play France now because I can I can build momentum into it and yeah just I mean obviously this week the main goal is win winning BMW at Wentworth and next week it'll be the kazoo in, in France and it's no still about winning golf tournaments and I'll, I'll prepare the same way but once that's all said and done there's only one one thing to do win the Ryder Cup that's it <laughs> Bob, we wish you every success. Great stuff. Thank you. Cheers, Cheers. So Bob McIntyre. Robert, are you are you Robert or a Bob? Bob. Robert? I'm more a Bob. I, I might say Robert on the first tee and then Bob thereafter. It's yeah. a bit like when we're doing the commentary as we will be on Five Live and BBC Sounds and Sports Extra at Solheim next week mm-hmm. with, uh, with Catherine Downs. I nearly forgot her name there. That's <laughs> ridiculous. Oh. Um, but I, probably Catherine to start and then Cat thereafter. She would be after. She's terrifying. 
Oh, horrible person as well. No, really no, unpleasant. No, no, no. She is one of the nicest people, and just I mean, she's so professional. You know, people who do the most work in terms of their prep for events. So Hazel Irvin is the top. I mean, I think we would be up there as well in terms of the notes you do. But Cat Downs, she she does such thorough prep. John Murray as well. John Murray with little handwritten oh, notes. His are his are beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I haven't got that that patience in my handwriting. No, no. Um, but we, yeah, it's. Uh, I was nearly going to dub you in there and say I've just transferred you over all my Ryder Cup notes, but I shouldn't do that. We have I, a really? sharing but sometimes. We do. We're carrying my Walker Cup notes. Yeah, and you give exactly. me the Ryder Cup notes, so that, but then we'll adapt them. And and it's in. I'll, I'll tell you what it is. A little bit of commentary uh, geekery for you. It's actually you can't just take somebody else's notes. Some companies no. will do notes for you. They have subs and they'll oh. prepare notes for you. American yeah. companies do that yeah. all the time, and you do get some notes prepared. But you have to do your own because it's actually in doing the research that things stick in your head. Yeah. Uh, and it's and actually for me, it's not the stats. That's what the that's what those companies do. It's the stories. The stories behind. So it's what want. it leads into in your research. You go, oh, what happened there? And then you yeah. go into you find a little story or find something. So yeah, it's. Uh, that but is Kat the, does Cat does an amazing job on on her on her. But the biggest thing about. Cat, if I can just plug, because she, she's going to be an amazing commentator over the next fortnight for us on BBC Radio Golf, is just her powers of description. Mm. She reads Gerald Durrell every year um, just to top up her powers of description and just the way she paints pictures is absolutely out of the top drawer in terms of radio commentary. My family and other animals. Yeah, exactly. Mm. The, the, the just... And that's the thing. You've got to... I keep saying this to my son. Read a book. So, read a book. Uh, 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 we're we're labouring on, on commentary here now after labouring on Ober for a while. But but it's... If people say, how do I become a, a commentator, a broadcaster? I say, well, you've got a passion for the topic you're commentating on. But read. Read everything you can. Mm. Read uh, fiction, non-fiction, on every other topic under the sun so that you sound a little bit more rounded. Well read. Well read. Well read, like Ian Poulter. Uh, was it Ian Poulter who said I've, that? I've got some it? emails to read. That I don't know whether now's the time. Are they non-fiction? Non-fic- That's actually while we're talking about while we're talking about literature, because mm. you were a bit dismissive uh, on this um, on, in the last pod, and I actually thought this was a really, really. I just good couldn't. Effort. I couldn't find the email. Is this the one with the poem? Yeah, from okay. Nigel Dolman. Okay. And I want to encourage this. Right, I, th- okay. I think. I think the literary side needs encouraging. Right. And bearing in mind, this is in the context of the challenge that we're going to have. Well, there's Harry Diamond just walking Harry by. Harry Diamond, what a great name, Harry Diamond. It is a great name. He's a good player, Harry Diamond. Really good player. people don't know if we're Caddy a good amateur. Uh, Rory McIlroy, Rory McIlroy's bag just hmm. there going by. We're getting excited about Rory McIlroy's bag. My anyway, me. we're talking about, obviously, there's this challenge that is going to happen which is the scramble score of me and Andrew against Eddie Pepperell. We should take him on now, to be honest. I, mean. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he doesn't listen to this. No. He, he so anyway, Nigel Dolman got in touch. He said, thoroughly enjoying the podcast, a challenge for Eddie. And he's put it in prose. Here we go. I offer you a bet. It's only a fiver, a tree-line course, and you hitting your driver. This bet is not for your three-wood, I have to croon. Hit the short stuff the fairway, but not with your spoon. Rules in the challenge on fairway you'll need to knock it. I offer the challenge care of folding pocket. If you win, then good on you. It won't be a fable, a story to share with Andrew Ian, Olive and Mabel. I hope you accept and do so without delay and pick a hole and a venue. The next Wentworth PGA. If money's not the answer, with me that's fine. A bottle of good red wine will be a payment in kind. He says, I'm over 18. Handicap 10, but not really relevant. Best Nigel. Another golfer called Nigel. You're a cruel man. I'm not cruel. There's I'm, a lot of effort gone into that. There is a lot of effort has gone into it. it was, well, sometimes I was always told effort was the grade, not attainment. It was up there with the greats. Ayers. Pam Ayers. That was, uh, yes. So... Good, no, we appreciate that. We love feedback. We, we love uh, correspondence, so thank you, Nigel. Not and many golfers email are address? Nigel. Uh, the, the Chipping Forecast at foldingpocket.co.uk. So, we heard from Bob McIntyre. Bob McIntyre is the first left-hander on the British or European side since Peter Dawson. Not that well, Peter Dawson. No. Uh, Peter Dawson was a Yorkshire professional who yes. uh, won on tour 
and played in 1977 lefty. So I think Peter Dawson was the first left-hander to play in the Ryder Cup at all in 1977. So does this mean that this one coming up will be the first to feature two left-handers in opposition? Um, yes. It must be, yes, it must it? be. It must be, of course it must be. And, so and you know, you'd instantly think, oh, Phil Mickelson, but no, of course, talking about Brian Harmon. Brian Harmon. I couldn't speech. think for a moment. I was going, yeah. yes, of course, <laughs> you mean... Johnny, <laughs> Johnny Lefterson. Um, uh, yeah, Peter Dawson beat Don January. Five and four in the singles. Don January. Um, yeah, he was terrible in the summer. Uh, he lost five and four in the singles, Don January, to Peter Dawson in 1977. Anyway, Not many golfers called after months. No. Brian March Bank? No, because that's not a month. Uh, ah, the merry month of March Bank. Um, is there any... Hang on, now we're thinking. Ooh. Terry and June? No. Oh. <laughs> Do they play golf? Yeah. Anyway, right. June, so. Okay, we'll think of something. Oh, um, Alan September. He played on the Challenge Tour <laughs> in recent <laughs> years. He's very um, good in the fall season. Right, so Bob McIntyre from Auburn. Auburn. He's very, very proud of Auburn. Yes. He's a true, true... I mean, it's not Northwest Highlands. West Highlands man, because he's a, he's a shinty player. Does he play for Auburn Kamanach? They're the... The big, I think there are two Is sides. Is that there. how you say it? I've seen it written down, but I wouldn't have a clue in all honesty. Kamenach, just yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I just love the passion that you could hear in his voice there for the Ryder Cup. And just, you know, it's very easy to become quite cynical about these golfers, you know, in terms of the gilded lives that they lead, the amount of money that just pours into their bank accounts. You wonder, you know, sometimes... Obviously, they want to win the majors, but you know, week in, week out, the grind of the tour, blah, 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 blah. It's not necessarily the most glamorous of, of existences at times. Rory, just say hello, please. Hello, please. There we go. Rory McIlroy is here giving us insights ahead of his uh, second round. Oh, dear. Anyway, so, no. That was a good way of just ending my rambling there, no, which was I nonsensical. Ian's going on here. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> so he's got, he's got great security, Rory. But um, the he guy, nearly got punched there. No, but the guy Andy, who's in front of him, he's a huge guy. Yeah. He was a, a top sniper. That's where he was, was he? in the military. Yeah. So, and you'll see him a very familiar figure, sturdy, uh, red-haired guy with a beard, and he's always in front of McIlroy wherever he goes in the world. So he travels around with them all. And all. we can now say that Rory McIlroy's been a guest on the Chipping Forecast. Yeah, he didn't really give us much there, did he? I mean, to be <laughs> honest, he he did deliver on what I asked for. So. Uh, Bob McIntyre, I mean, this kind of leads us nicely. When he's talking about the passion of the Ryder Cup, where does the Ryder Cup, where does all that passion mm. come from, the excitement about the Ryder Cup? So, Where did it start for you? I mean, I think it... Probably 85, 87. Uh, obvs. Obvs. But there was one that really sticks in, in my memory so, so clearly, and it really... I remember... I don't get animated about many sporting events, but this one I, I did, and... You said we'd be going deep into the Ryder Cup archives and go back to to 1991 mm. um, at Kiwa Island because there was, I think it, it there was a period of the Ryder Cup from the big victory in '85, which brought to an end a huge, huge number of years going back to what 1957 that mm. Europe hadn't uh, or Europe or Great Britain Island before that hadn't won the Ryder Cup, winning it there, champagne being sprayed on the roof of the belfry, and from there until 1999, there were so many close matches. I think between. 87 and 99, there was never more than two points in it. But there were some spiky encounters as well. There was Brookline 99, but the one that really sticks out, I think, is, is Key Island 91. Yeah, and I think, you know, we talk about 83 uh, when, when Europe came so close, 85 when they finally won, 87 winning in America for the first time. That was, the, you know, we were golfy geeks growing up, weren't we? I mean, we didn't know each other at, at, at the time, but we were right into our golf. So it meant a lot to us but I think 1991 was the one because it had so many things that kind of transcended beyond golf that actually brought the Ryder Cup up to the level that we we now know it because you know there was it, it was the time of the Gulf War and the, the the Americans suddenly wearing desert fatigues on their their hats and people reacting to that in terms of its taste you know whether it was tasteful or and uh, so that 
it, it, it just transcended. And, and as you say, my God, it was spiky. Yeah. And it also was front and centre. It was on the yeah. BBC showed it until, you know, ITV showed the Ryder Cup throughout the 70s. So the 1979 Ryder Cup was never seen on TV in, in the UK because there was a strike at that oh, time. Right. And so ITV didn't show... The 1979, but it was not a big event at that time. No, 1979. Then the 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 first one I settled down to watch was like the first Europe one at Walton Heath. Well, that because and that was on the BBC. I remember yeah. that one very clear. I remember seeing Tom Kite. I going to play against. Never felt so let was down, thinking, Kite? "Oh, this is going to be close now." Europe, it's going to be you Europe, know, and it's going to be close. Trouncing. But anyway, from there, you know, the BBC was showing it. So again, it was front and center. I remember v- huge figures for. Keogh Island, uh, watching that Ryder Cup, so people were getting into it, and non-golf eyes were on it. But uh, so let's take you back. Keogh Island was a new venue in 1991. The Ocean Course opened at Keogh Island, so this was a very, very new course to to everybody. Uh, it's also now, I think, officially considered the toughest course in the USA according to slope and course rating. I mean, it is a, it is a, a brutally difficult course. I've the been way. there a couple yeah. of times, and do you know what? It's really difficult now for the PGAs that I've been to to equate what you see when you get there with the images that I conjured in my head of that that course because it yeah. was kind of it was really open and barren and seasidey and it doesn't feel like that when you go there now mm. no i've not been to to kiowa so maybe one of these days mm. um but anyway of course the backdrop that you mentioned was the gulf war had, uh, had uh, finished in february of that mm. year so there was a sort of jingoistic fervor around it and because uh, europe had won Ludwig in, over there <laughs> because europe had won in <laughs> oh, Ludwig. Uh, because Europe had won in 85 and 87 uh, and a tie match in 1989, they had held that trophy for so long. So the Americans were desperate to get back. But then at the pre-tournament gala dinner, you remember this, the host, there was a, a broadcast of a sort of 15-minute video history mm. of the Ryder Cup, which was pretty much 15 minutes of mm. American history yeah. of the Ryder Cup. And Ken Schofield, who was the chief executive of the European Tour, was just about threatening to... He could get feisty. Walk out. He could get feisty. And he was just he, threatening to walk out. But he kind of... Im- Im- embodied the the spirit of European golf at the at the time because he had huge ambition and he wasn't prepared to be that to be that poor relation. He he had big ambitions for European golf at the European tour and he knew that that could be articulated through the Ryder Cup. Yeah. Yes he did. And and it, we mentioned how sort of um jingoistic and nationalistic and how determined the Americans were to win this one. Do you remember the local DJ he got the yeah. numbers for the hotel rooms of the uh, and they actually started ringing the up the, Euro- the the European players in the middle of the night to disturb their sleep. It's called the wake up the enemy. I was, I was talking to Bernard Gallagher this morning, and and yeah, he's still furious about that. He yeah, really he is. He's the captain of Europe. And he's, um, well, there are a few things. Bloody rang us up. There are a few things that the, the that still sort of uh, foster a little bit of resentment or mm. just anger or frustration about it all but it was listen it was a great contest so that, again selection we've been talking a lot about selection for this Ryder Cup back then the European Tour was very very strong nine European uh, Tour places went to the team and then there were three wild cards after that so um the, the sums of money involved as well. Oh, I'm really, I mean, I know you've done all your research on this. So this is interesting. Bernard Gallagher said Faldo was guaranteed uh, one of the picks because yeah. he was playing mostly on the on the PGA Tour, and that Olathabel was just inside the automatic picks, but might be slipping out. But he said that well, if he does slip out, he'll be guaranteed. They were second and third in the world at the time, mm. Greg Norman. So they were guaranteed picks if they slipped out. So. Going into the German Open, which was the final qualifying event for Kiowa towards the end of August, Eamon Darcy had been seventh on the European list, but he chose not to play. Now, I haven't been able to find out why Eamon Darcy, the, the man who shakes Labrador's ears, hadn't decided to play in the, the German Open. I'm not, there must have been a very, very good reason, because he was under threat from various players. Um, so he chose not to play. Then good finishes at the German Open by Paul Broadhurst, Sam Torrens, saw them move above Darcy yeah. to cement their places. But also David Guilford, who made £4,320 at the German Open, took the last place by moving up Darcy by £58.26. I remember Broadhurst qualifying, which was a huge thing for us because he played uh, a neighbouring golf club to, to us, uh, Atherston. And um, so we were always looking out for him. So it was brilliant that he got into the team. Yeah, so Darcy slipped out down to 10th. He could still have got a selection as the third wildcard, but Bernard Gallagher went with Mark James, 
with his greater experience. So five rookies on the European team. In can you name them? Guilford, he'd have been one yes. of them. Broadhurst, yes. Fairty, Fairty, yeah. Um, Fairty, Oh, Bob Wayne's. Stephen Richardson. Stephen Richardson. Good. Yeah. Well done. I admire you. Um, yeah, Stephen Richardson's a player that uh, a lot of people forget about. Yeah. He was, but he was such a good player at that time. Big, big, strong yeah. player. Um, and David Guilford was a really good player as well. But but because he'd kind of sneaked in, and he was hung out to dry a little bit in 1991 because he was put out. Well, the Faldo match people remember because Faldo didn't. It, we've talked he, about Seve putting an arm around yeah. Paul Way in '83, and, and, and Faldo just didn't do that, did they? they I mean, there was to just him at all. <laughs> so it was a seven and six, uh, and such a quiet fellow. And then he went into the envelope. Well, he did, and we'll come to that—the magical envelope. But yeah, he played with Faldo in the second day foursomes against Azinger and Omira, and lost seven and six. Played with Monty on the first day, Guilford, uh, two rookies against Lanny Watkins and Hale Irwin, and they were were beaten as well. But but just quickly on David Guilford. Because as if you know, he he was a he won six times on tour, and in 1995 at Oak Hill at the Ryder Cup, he was the top scorer, three points from four. He played four times, three from I four. I couldn't believe it when, it when you told me that. Yeah, I, I mean, and this this but this was the joy of of the European Tour and the European golf at this time that these heroes would 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 come through. You think of Philip Price in 2002 beating Phil Mickelson. Think of Philip Walton at, at um, Oak Hill and Eamon Darcy and, and I mean this is this is and, and I just wonder whether we're going to get. I mean I'm fast forwarding to to Rome now and there's a couple of guys in this European team who could play those kind of roles, but it. It, it feels somewhat different now, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does a bit. But, um, but we certainly want to give props to David Guilford for his performance. Yeah, oh, because He was a farmer as well, wasn't he? he? Yeah, a dairy farmer. Dairy farmer. I think yeah. uh, from Cheshire, crew. Yeah, big friends there. with uh, Andrew Murray. I think he might live in Shropshire now. That's dairy, dairy yeah. farming country. Anyway, nice guy, good player as well. But in 1991, he was a Faldo, here you are. You look after this rookie here, Nick. Nick, just from... Who is he? Who is he? Yeah, exactly. I'll do this on my own. Um, right, anyway, so you mentioned the envelope. We'll come to that as one of the sort of controversies in the singles. But there were lots of controversies at Key Island. Ballgate. Ballgate. Oh, yeah, uh, Azinger. So Azinger and Chip Beck playing against Seve and Ollie. Now, there are some, well, three very competitive figures in Chip Beck, who probably just wanted to <laughs> nice have a nice, guy. quiet life. Yeah, exactly. So, oh, on second the, at the Masters, that'll do me. Seventh tee in the first day foursomes, Seve and Ollie said that Azinger and Beck had been changing the compression of the balls. You know, you got the tightest yes. 90 compression, 100 compression, which wasn't allowed. So, playing and, uh, foursomes and choosing the softer ball for certain ones. The, depending uh, on the conditions, on direction the 90, of the hole, yeah, exactly. and who was driving. Exactly. Uh, so Azinger denied it, but then the referee said, well, it doesn't matter if it's been spotted now because it had to be spotted at the time to be penalised. So then Azinger said, oh, yeah, well, well we did then. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that got Seve and Ollie's back up. Yeah. Seve and Ollie won two and one. Yeah. Feisty match. Then Seve developed a cough on the Saturday. <laughs> I don't know if it was a genuine cough or not, but they were playing against... It, it was the timing of the cough. The timing of the it? cough. So playing with Ollie again... Yeah. In the, in the foursomes, I go, oh, was that you trying to put me off there? <laughs> Against Ray Floyd and Fred Couples. So, Seve was coughing a couple of times during the swings, and Ray Floyd, who again, yeah. What, yeah, a bit of a feisty well, man, uh, yeah. he came over and he approached Seve with a warning that <laughs> if he wanted to do this, I'm better than you could ever be at this. Talking about gamesmanship, or something. probably not golf, because Seve and Well, it's interesting two. that Floyd said that, because I, I was with... Uh, Nick Faldo earlier this year and he got asked a question we were doing a Q&A thing and he got asked a question of which opponent would you most want to beat which American did you most want to beat and he said Ray Floyd he said because they, he'd always be engineering something something that would would be aimed at putting you off well maybe that's why when you won the playoff against Floyd at the 1990 Masters I always remember him Faldo giving Ray Floyd a slap of Oh, bad luck, mate. But actually, he sort of slapped Ray Floyd out the side of the picture on the TV. <laughs> it it, it wasn't the compassionate hug no. that he gave to Greg Norman in 96. No, anyway, so Seve overall, incidentally, in 91, four and a half points out of five. So Amazing. Um, but Amazing. it was eight all going into the singles. Yeah. So we moved to the singles, and you talked about the envelope. because yeah. so there'd, there'd been a car crash. I always thought it was a caravan crash, which I couldn't believe in America. No, it was a camper van, maybe? No, I think the other vehicle might have been a camper van. 
Or a caravan. They were and he was in the courtesy oh. car, Steve Pate. And Steve Pate damaged his ribs. But he, he subsequently then played a match. Yeah. So, you know, you're fine. he didn't have the car crash prior to the singles. He had it prior prior to the match. And the draw had been made for the singles before he was withdrawn. So the draw had him up against Seve. Yeah. And Guilford was David Guilford was supposed to be playing Wayne Levy. Wayne Levy, mustachioed Wayne Levy. There aren't many golfers called Wayne. Actually, there are golfers called Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> Grady, Riley, yeah. Westner. Yeah, Wayne West- Westner. I can't think of any more. There are golfers' father-in-laws called Wayne. Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky, yes, good. Um, so, Dustin Johnson. So that draw was made, and then Dave Stockton, US captain, who I was amazed to find out was only 49 at the time, younger than me. Mm. When I was watching that, I thought, who's this old fella yeah. captaining the US side? And that's, and that's it. just, that's so just anyway, life. That's just life. So Dave Stockton said, oh, Jerry's, Jerry's not well after that, yeah. uh, after he, he was in a caravan with. Um, yeah. with and then they do this thing where they put the names in, in the envelope. So if someone has to pull out. Then they rejig the draw, and the the other person, in the correspond the person in the envelope, is the one that gets withdrawn. Yeah. So somewhere along the line, do they still do this? I think they do. Mm, we should find so, out. And they, so you, as a captain, you've got to say, well, this is the guy I'm going to sacrifice. This is the guy that I am not. I don't have much faith in. Well, when did it happen? To, oh, I can't remember when it happened to Sam Torrance at the Belfry. Was it ninety three? Ninety. I think it was 93 because yes, he was, broke a yeah. toe or something yeah, in the hotel. His toe. And so St- Steve Jones had to yeah, I mean, get I withdrawn just from the horrible. American side. But do you remember in the Solheim Cup when um, Karen Stupples was going to play Christy Kerr? And Christy Kerr, in, in the penultimate match... Was in a caravan accident. No, she just she had back locked up as she was hitting balls on the range. Mm. And she just said, I can't. I can't play. And that was so late in the day that the point just went straight to Karen Stupples and they didn't play their match. I think it should. Yeah. If you're injured, um, that's just, that's just yeah. bad luck. But anyway. anyway. So anyway, we're going to the singles eight all. And then the, the singles was fascinating how tough, of course, Key Island was. So the first two matches in the singles, uh, Faldo and Ferti both won. David Ferti, what happened to him? Um, so they oh, won. And then there was the third match. Who did they beat in the first two singles? How many ball vines had killed? Second. Uh, the singles, so... Uh, oh, they beat Faldo beat Floyd. Yeah. And then Ferti beat Payne Stewart. What about so, Kalkovecchia, though? That's the thing so I remember. Kalkovecchia was five up, five to play. Yeah. And in the last four holes, I've got his scores here. It was astonishing. It was an astonishing crumbling because he went triple bogey, bogey, triple bogey, bogey to half the match against Monty. Monty was just astonished. I mean, Monty didn't have to do much except just try and keep the ball and play in those final few holes. Kalkaveke was just a broken man. Went off and stood on the beach in tears thinking... Well, he was hyperventilating, wasn't he? Yeah, he I, was. I, and I've, I've spoken to both of them about it and he, he still does not like to talk about it, Kalkaveke. He really doesn't. Hmm. Um, Move fun, on, Mark. Funny enough, on. but I mean, they won in the end. Yeah. Anyway, so the only other but wins... the other amazing thing yes. about that, sorry, Andrew, is that you know, Monty's, perhaps his most proud record, is that he was never beaten in singles yeah. in the Ryder Cup in a, obviously a long career. Yeah. And, and yet... It was five down with five to play in the very first one of those. Yeah. And he had, he, his game had not fully, even though he was already a winner on tour and you could see that he was probably going to become... His game was a, a funny game. He had a real sort of low cut and, I don't know, the, the conditions were difficult. The final few holes were difficult. But he somehow managed to get a half against Kalkavecchia who went and just lay down on the beach and rocking back and forth and was in all sorts of trouble. Because at that stage, it was ten and a half, eight, eight to Europe, and Kalkaveke thought he'd cost his side. But from then on, the only um, win after that for Europe well, was Paul Broadhurst against Marco Mira and oh, Seve. we were cheering that. Seve against Wayne Levy. Seve and Levy. Um, so by the time it came to the final match, Europe still they needed... arrived in a Chevy. Was he driving? Oh, no, he wasn't the one that was <laughs> no. injured. Absolutely. He drove a Chevy to the Levy, and Seve... Oh, shut up, Andrew. Uh, anyway, Europe needed a point to get to the 14 they needed for the tie to go back. And Hale Orwin was two up with three to play yeah. against Langer. Now, when people talk about Langer on the final green, which we'll come to, they don't perhaps remember that he sunk a couple of crucial putts to get to the 18th he did. in a position to try and win the hole to uh, get the point. Hale Orwin was 46 at the time. And he played four of the five matches. Just uh, I throw that in as um, when we've been talking about Lucas Glover not being able to play. I just, yeah. but it's not a hilly course, is it? 
um, long cost, wind tiring. Anyway, if Halo One was a gr- was a, a proper grinder. Well, uh, and talking about players who have had longevity in their career, so those two players, Halo One and Bernard Langer, are the two most successful players in the Champions Tour of all time. Forty six and forty five wins, Langer and Irwin. Anyway, so they come together here. Langer just what a competitor. Tough, tough guy. But when it came to the final green, oh no, final tee shot first of all. That's another thing I'd forgotten about. Erwin. Um, Erwin went way left. Way left. Way, way left. And that is one thing when you do go back yeah. and, and you say, right, so where did that, where did that ball land? Yeah. And then where did he play the second shot and from? Langer, Langer who's a still go on about patient that. man, he still wonders how that ball popped up at, just in the light rough on the edge of the fairway. Anyway, second shot from Erwin, right to the green, couldn't get up and down, so Langer needs a par for the win to uh, give Europe the Ryder Cup. And one thing on that, which has never been answered to me, but I remember it vividly. When, when he hit How the... How do you remember it? Vividly. Um, that's the Stockholm pronunciation. <laughs> what? So he missed his par putt. Mm. And it just kept on running and past. It, and it ran... It ran this no, is, this that, is Irwin. Oh, Irwin, sorry. So when yes, he yeah. missed his par putt, I remember going, that's not dead. Yeah. And then there was never any mention of it ever again. So Langer must have said, just pick it up. Mm. But you never saw that on Generous, the TV. No. And, but I thought, why would yeah. you give that? And so then Langer, with his, uh, his, his birdie putt, it just kept on running past. So six feet or so. Yeah. The crucial thing about that putt is, so nowadays, he had a massive spike mark on his line. And Woosom's talked about this. Everyone could, you could see it from the mm. side of the green. And they're all thinking, well, he can either just dead weight go down the side of the spike mark and hope it takes the break or try and go over it and see what happens nowadays of course you just tap it down all tap the way. a furrow tap a furrow down so um, but Langer Channel. decided to just try and do it dead weight and it just didn't take the break and that sort of howl of anguish mm. from Langer that fo- there were some great photos at that Ryder Cup I yeah. give Dave Cannon props here for the, he had a photo of Langer but he also had that famous photo of Olathabal leaping up on yeah. the back of the shoulders of Seve to get a, yeah. a, a look at a better look at the hole. Anyway, so final green, and that was it. It came down to that. And I just remember the sheer sporting drama, anguish, the pathos, everything involved. In and, that, and that was one of those, the amazing thing about it was that it, the way it had fallen, that it could only be a win or a loss. Hmm. It wasn't, yeah. it, it, it was just all down to that putt, yeah. which is just extraordinary after three days of such intense competition and and for me going right back to the start of this that is why the Ryder Cup Can is as massive as it quickly say Shane Lowe is trying to get away but Shane we've been talking about in warm weather you're you're a man who likes to wear black and you look good in it but on a day like today when it's so warm does it not affect you 24 degrees it's not well yes it is and you live in the states now but do you not get extra hot in the black some people tell me it's slimming right sure you don't need that Shane that, you don't okay, need good. that you carry, well. you carry on with that. Um, so, I love Shane Lowry. Anyway, so, um, but that single moment coming down to that, and mm. I mentioned all the eyes on it. I remember, do you remember the Mary Whitehouse experience? Great yes, comedy yeah, show yeah, there in yeah. the 90s. It was, it was huge with uh, David Baddiel and Rob Newman and mm. Punt and Dennis. And they referenced it the They'd following be talking week. about it. They you were know, talking it, about it. Yeah. It was just, it was such a, that's so why. Did Ryder Couple get a mention on the one show? Uh, I always don't want it to get a mention <laughs> No, exactly. Anyway, so there we are. Um, it was just extraordinary. But when we talk about the making of the modern Ryder Cup, mm. events like Brookline, 85, 87, mm. but, but also 91, I think, Kew Island was just about the making of the modern Ryder Cup because of the drama and, and because of everything that went there. Remember the picture of the American players in the ocean mm. afterwards all yeah. celebrating? And because Corey Pavin and... Um, Steve Pate had worn in that match yes. Steve Pate played yeah. you know, apparently uninjured had w- both worn shrapnel. the camouflage caps the they both worn the camouflage caps and so it was really jingoistic and that rubbed a lot of people up the wrong way and that's fine I, you know, I remember at the time getting angry with it but that's what makes sports well, in a way it stirs, your pa- it stirs yeah. passions and golf is a fairly sleepy sport as we know by and large, mm. but it it just comes alive in the in the Ryder Cup. And again, referencing the point that you made, all those close matches through that 
whole era. Yeah. And that's what we've been missing. Yeah. You know, we haven't had a close one since 2012 and the miracle at Medina. And that almost kind of bucked a trend. Um, so that's what I'm really hoping for in, in, in Rome, that it is, it is really, really close. It feels a lot hotter than 24 degrees. We're standing and I'm perspiring. And um, anyway, you don't need to know that, but you do now. So uh, that, that's our little look back at the Ryder Cup ahead of this year's Ryder Cup. And um, so Eddie, Eddie's out there uh, struggling away. Actually, um, I've got it. I've got his score here. He's actually he's he's one under now today. Eddie back to three over. He's not going to make the cut. But that means so he's had nine birdies in just over a round and a half. Well, nearing. I suppose he's got four holes to play in his second round. Nine birdies. Just sort out the mistakes. He's obviously playing well enough. He's not going to listen to this. Sort it out, Eddie. Just before we go, um, and this has turned almost into a full blown um, chipping forecast um, with special guests Rory McIlroy and Shane Lowry. Um, but uh, an email uh, has come in uh, from Simon Morrison. Hello, hosts and special guest. Uh, there is a lot to talk about uh, the physical challenge that Nina Simone, as I like to call it, will pose for the players. Marco Simone ho- mm. hosting the Ryder Cup. Will Ram and Rory be up to five rounds in three days? Will Scotty and Xander be rested? But what about the caddies, especially if it's hot? And could a player use a different caddy during the match? Are push trolleys allowed? Push trolleys? No, so, they're not. A full name for them. Uh, particularly if it trolleys? gets very hot, and we're expecting it to be very hot. So you can't change it. You could, do, you could use a sure different caddy can. in any, yeah. any round. Yeah. You could, uh, actually, I must find out, are you allowed to change a caddy during a round, or are they deemed equipment? Are caddies equipment? No. Oh, that's demeaning. No, you must be able to change a caddy. I think you can though. change I mean, a caddy. Like, if the caddy pulls a... Pulls we need a, a caddy to walk. We're right beside the caddy's lounge as well yeah. as the player's lounge. We yeah. could ask a caddy. Actually, no. Uh, enjoying the show. Uh, come on, Eddie. Make the cut today. Simon Morrison. How many holes have you got? Today? He's got four holes. Well, well he finished 6-6 six, six over 17 and 18 last. So if he yeah. finishes birdie birdie today, he'll be getting back to yeah. one over for the... T- yeah. I think he's struggling. Anyway, there we are. We'll be back with uh, Eddie next week. But it's just an extra bonus pod for you, taking a, taking a wander down Ryder Cup memory lane and... Uh, we will head off now to watch the rest of the second round. Oh, Francesco Molinari is just there. Uh, five out of five in 2018. He looked round. Anyway, um, we're going to leave it there, Ian. What do you have to say for yourself? Oh, bear. And that completes this edition of The Chipping Forecast. Wishing you a safe and pleasant night. <laughs> Holding pocket.